Back when I was young, a long time ago, uh, preachers would talk about end times and we need to get ready. And, and that was always true, but it was maybe a little bit premature in that some of the things that have been fulfilled more recently that were not then uh, made those messages a little bit premature. But because those messages were preached, there are people who go, well, yeah, we've heard that. The Lord's going to come back, but that's, nah, we've heard that over and over, but that's not going to happen. And so that exactly fits the uh, phrase that Peter uses when he says this. He says, in the last days, scoffers will come saying, well, where is this coming to Jesus' promise? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So, yeah, I don't know that I really want to buy into all of that. But then Peter goes on, he says something very interesting. He said, but don't forget this. He said, uh, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years it has nothing to do with evolution. It has to do with when the Lord made a promise, it's going to happen. If he made it 10,000 years ago or if he made it yesterday, if the Lord made a promise someday, it's going to be fulfilled. The promise of the return to Jesus is found 329 times in the Bible. It is the second most frequently mentioned doctrine in all Scripture. The, the most frequently mentioned doctrine is the doctrine of salvation. So Jesus is going to come back. That is what Scripture says. It's found 318 times in the New Testament, one verse out of uh, one out of every 30 in the New Testament. So here is the verse that we hear mostly at funerals that assures us that Jesus is going to come back. It's in John chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus is, of course, saying, and I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, what? I will come again, second time. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, last Sunday, I talked about the fact that there was a day when Jesus and his disciples were walking around below the temple area. And the disciples saying, look, Jesus, look at the temple. It's magnificent. Isn't it beautiful? And Jesus said, well, the day is going to come when not one stone will be left on another. And, and of course, we talked last week about how that prophecy was fulfilled 40 years later at A.D. 70 when the Romans destroyed the city. But when Jesus said those words, they went down just east about maybe a thousand yards just there to garden us against him just below the temple mount area and the disciples uh, said what jesus what do you mean that uh, not one stone and so they asked this question and here's the question that they asked as jesus was sitting on the mount of olives the disciples said okay well tell us when will this happen about the stones being destroyed and then Three-part question, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And that issues in, in all three of the synoptic gospels, 
the Olivet Discourse. Matthew happens to be the longest to Matthew 24, 25, but it's also in Mark and Luke. The Olivet Discourse are the words of Jesus that tell about what's going to happen when we get close to the end of the, of the return of Jesus coming back to earth. So here are three questions. And so the question is, what are going to be the signs of the end of the age? And so we're going to talk about those. Um, scholars have learned to take the various signs of the end of the age and give it to us in categories. So I've taken um, um, the most popular way to put categories together, signs of the end of the age. The first sign is the sign of nature. And one of the things that Jesus said this, there will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places and fearful events and the great signs from heaven. And that's in one of the accounts, the Olivet Discord, Luke. And then in, in Matthew, Jesus adds these words, these signs are the beginning like birth pains. Now, back when Jennifer was born, we went to church Sunday night. It was a Sunday night, December 31st. And we went to Marge Cunningham's house, and um, Carolyn was feeling the, the first birth pains. But we had already heard that there's false labor, false labor, and you don't want to go to the hospital when you're having false labor. So we get home. Carolyn's going, oh. This may be the real thing. Uh, I said, back in that day, if you went at 11.50, you got charged for a whole day at the hospital. And I said, well, we're not going before midnight. You got to wait till midnight, okay? So at midnight, we showed up. And that was back before fathers didn't do the, you know, go in and, and I'm glad for that. So I was down the hall, and I hear Carolyn going, Oh, doctor! Oh, doctor! <laughs> I was carrying on. I, what are they trying to, trying to kill her or something? You know, it was awful. So, birth pains, they grow in intensity, and they grow in frequency. And so, these signs of nature... Have you had any clue that maybe we're starting to see more and more of them? Like this last week, it took us 12 hours to make a six-hour trip. The interstate was closed, wrecks everywhere, cars, trucks off the side, road. It was awful. Signs of nature. People say, well, it's, we've always had earthquakes, hurricanes, whatever. Yeah. We have. But listen to, I found this uh, article in the American Scientific. Uh, it said, major disasters are increasingly happening in succession. And then they illustrate. That was back when this was. If, if I had updated it, I'd probably have something more current. But severe flooding, violent storms, earthquakes, heat waves have risen. 
These natural disasters have killed more than 410,000 people. Who would have thought that Nashville, Tennessee would be colder than Billings, Montana? What? This is crazy. Well, what do we have here? We, we have the signs of nature, fearful events, and they're, they're predicted. And every time we have, uh, you know, it's climate, it's uh, warming climate. Well, it may be. I don't know. But whatever it is, God's taking care of. God's fulfilling the prophecy that's been made. So the first sign of the end of this, of the end times is this sign of nature. And let's look at the second one. The second category is found in our society or in our culture today. Jesus said that he would return at a time when, so when society would resemble the days of Noah. Uh, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They were having a high whole time, days of Noah. And that's the way it's going to be when he comes back. Well, folks... We're living in the days of Noah when, just like it was, back then, every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was evil all the time. That's kind of where we are today. In Romans chapter 1, we have uh, an expression of the equivalent of the days of Noah. And what it says there is that Men will lust after men and women after women. We're talking about homosexuality. Can you believe that we are celebrating Pride Month in our culture? 20 years ago, we would not have even thought about that. Paul's description of the last days is right on. Listen to what Paul says as he wrote to Timothy. He said, in the last days... There will be terrible times. People will be, here's descriptives of our culture, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Now, we don't have anybody that loves money. Oh, well, maybe we do. <laughs> look, look at all these descriptives. This is, this is where we are. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is a descriptive of where we are. That's just where we are. Humanism is on the increase. Uh, after all, you know, all you have to do is just believe in yourself. And if you just believe in yourself, you can do anything. We don't need God. That's the implication. So the second category of signs are those that are uh, signs of our culture. Uh, lovers of ourselves, this is kind of a humanism that says we're all that we need. So the third category is this. This is, a, this is an alarming sign, the spiritual signs. And the spiritual signs, we have false prophets on the increase. Jesus talked about it in all of that discourse. We have uh, Christian persecution, and spiritual apostasy. I want to talk about each one of them. 
we have increasingly number of false prophets and we have world religions that are growing up. Uh, the Muslim faith is a man-made religion. It's predominant in many parts of the world. If the, those of the Muslim faith, and, and I love them, my, my primary physician is a Muslim and I love him, but he's a part of something that will not get him to heaven. Paswar Hussein, I love the guy, he's a good physician, but he is a part of a lot of people who are putting their hope in something that's false. Jehovah's Witness rewritten the scripture to their liking. Mormons, good people, but it's false religion. Again and again, and I could, go, I could, I'll just say, we are living in an age of many false prophets. Christian persecution, I'm going to read this. Last year, there were over 4,000 Christians killed for their faith. On the average, every day, 13 Christians are killed for their faith. 12 churches are attacked. 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned. And five are abducted every day. Literally, there are Christian persecution more today than ever in all of history. As many as 250 million Christians in our world face high levels of persecution in like China, Korea, North Korea, obviously, Iran, India, Afghanistan, Indonesia, Nigeria. Carol and I, or I get a magazine, well, we get magazines from both these organizations that are in tune with Christians that are persecuted. And it is alarming how Christians are being persecuted around, around the world. You and I would be shocked, and I am shocked when I read. Now, the third subcategory of the spiritual signs are the apostasy. <clears throat> I <clears throat> am <clears throat> some <clears throat> excuse me, somewhat in tune with uh, mainline denominations becoming apostate, giving uh, giving way to the world's thinking. The Evangelical Lutheran Church, which sounds good, like if I'm going to be a part of, I would, I would want to be the Evangelical, right? No. They have cast aside the authority of God's word, and they will ordain, will ordain practicing homosexuals. And it's becoming more prevalent. Uh, one of our major denominations, a church with incredible history, legacy, is dividing over this whole issue of ordaining, practicing homosexuals. I, I'm kind of in tune with that. Uh, there are heresies. We have this guy down in Houston. He's popular, fills the church, stadium. And he preaches 
apostasy, health and wealth, gospel. Pope Francis. Pope Francis is the head of the largest Christian organization in the world, but this new pope says that God is, listen to this, God is not divine. There is no hell. And even atheists can go to heaven. And Muslims can go to heaven. This is the pope. What is that? It's heresy. Um, this pope is getting our world ready for the tribulation period when there will be a false prophet head over the one world religion. He's preparing us for that time. And we can see it. It's coming into existence. Listen to this. August 23rd, 2021. Not long ago. A survey was made of born-again Christians, self-proclaimed born-again, ages 18 to 39. 60% of those ages 18 to 39 who claimed to be born again said that Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid paths to God. Does that alarm you? <laughs> what are we talking about? Talking about... Uh, spiritual apostasy. Well, it's a bonus. And uh, so what we're seeing right now are fulfillments of prophecies that had never been fulfilled before. We're living in, in a sense, in biblical days. Now, there's a fourth category. This is the category of technology. And John's revelation, it talks about the three witnesses who preach powerfully. Their God, God keeps, uh, keeps them safe. And then finally, they are slaughtered, and they lie in the street of Jerusalem for three and a half days, and the world goes, yay, those terrible prophets, they finally are killed. And what it says, it says that every people, tribe, language will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. For three and a half days, the whole world looks on, and it's like... Uh, you know, 25 years ago, how can the whole world look on? Well, now, with satellite communication is like, okay, sure. Yeah, we can understand that. That's not, that's not a big deal. You can turn on your TV and see something that's happening in India or wherever. Okay, another illustration. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Heavenly bodies shaken. If you know anything about nuclear bombs, when those, and there are a few nations <laughs> that are storing up bombs. I don't think they're doing it just so they can have a picnic somewhere. Someday, these bombs that are being made here, there, and everywhere around in different plot places in the world, Someday, somebody's going to use them. Yeah, somebody's going to use them. And when they start using nuclear bombs, the heavens will be shaken. It will, it will so deface this world. It will change. It's a part of what happens during the tribulation period. 
when people will want to die because of the sores and all that. So people will faint from terror. That makes sense today, more so than it ever did before. I don't know if you've ever heard of ID2020. I was watching a video, and somebody talked about, not, I didn't know about ID2020. So I Googled it. This is what it says. It's a consortium in service of the United Nations providing legal identity for all people, including personal information securely encrypted and stored so you can stay in control of your identity details. In the tribulation period, there will be what is called the mark of the beast. And if you will take the mark of the beast, then you can buy and sell. But if you don't, it'll cost you your life. There are 27 countries now that have already bought into ID 2020. 27 countries have already bought into it. So the day will come, will it not, when you sign up to get in on the ID 2020, you'll be marked. That's a fulfillment of prophecy, signs of technology. I could say more, but let's, let's move on. Are you ready for me to move on? <laughs> You're ready. I'm ready for me to move on. I'm tired of hearing myself talk. The fifth sign, world politics. In the Olivet Discourse, Jesus says, nation will rise against nation. Literally, that means ethnic group against ethnic group. Um, in our culture, I think that the ethnic group of white people are not always getting along with the ethnic group of black people or any, well, yeah, it's not what it all, it's, it's terrible how we are not getting along. Anti-Semitism on the rise back in a long time ago. 69, I was chosen to go to Guyana. And Guyana, oh, it was exciting. I was young. Yeah, I get to go to Guyana. And what I found out is that Guyana is about 50-50 East Indian brown people and black people. And when I got there, I found out they were at war with them. They were having civil war. People of color, good people at civil war. And it's true today <laughs> around our, you know, we're in this battle. It's, it's awful. And that's the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, in John's revelation, he talks about an, an army that uh, of 200 million strong traveling toward Israel for the purpose to destroy Israel. Well, there's only one nation in the world that can be 200 strong. What nation is it? It's China. 
it probably surprises you, but China would like to take over the world. <laughs> Everything we own is made there. And I appreciate the Chinese and all that they do. They are brilliant people. But politically, they're on the wrong side. And so someday, the Chinese military will fulfill this prophecy coming 200 million strong. That's the only nation that could do that. So that's a fulfillment of prophecy. Daniel talks about the day will come when uh, the old Holy Roman Empire, and it was not holy and it was not necessarily an empire, would be revived. And we're starting to see that come together under the title European Union. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. As you see, these nations are coming together. Others have tried to bring them together. Uh, Hitler tried. Uh, Napoleon tried. But anyway, we're seeing a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, Ezekiel talks about a day when a coalition of nations, beginning of the, the nation up north, that's Russia, is going to invade Israel for the purpose of destroying Israel. And today we're seeing Putin and Erdogan starting to get together. And so they're starting to get together to create this uh, coalition of uh, of nations that will come against to destroy Israel. It's not going to happen, but anyway, because if you read that, you know that God's going to intervene and save the nation of Israel. That's Anyway, the sixth and most important sign of, of end times is the sign of uh, Israel coming back to be a nation. When Israel was destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Roman military, the nation of Israel was dispersed all over the world. And uh, uh, I think I told the story last week. There was a Bible scholar by the name of Schofield, C.I. Schofield, a little over a hundred years ago, end of the 19th century, said, he said, well, the, the nation of Israel is going to be a nation again. And people go, uh, no, because the nation of Israel has ceased to exist. The nation of Israel has not been in existence for hundreds of years, centuries. And there has not in all of history been an example where a nation so destroyed would ever come back into it. It's not going to happen. And Schofield says, well... I don't know how it's going to happen, but the Bible says it's going to happen. And so May 14, 1948, when David Ben-Gurion stood in Tel Aviv Museum with um, a few reporters and announced that this nation is back in existence again, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Um, even though the nation had been destroyed again and again and dispersed all over the world. Here was the repeated promise of God. It will happen that the Lord will again recover. Not the first time, because that was the Babylonian exile 
recovery. But the second time, he will gather with his hand from all over these places. He will lift up a standard and will assemble the banished ones. And he will gather the dispersed from the four corners of the earth. That was a fulfillment of prophecy. And that's exactly... So, this, so Schofield hung his hat on this. That God's going to gather these people back. And guess what? It happened. It's, isn't that incredible? And then Jesus talked about how the uh, times the Gentiles will be fulfilled when the uh, little city of Jerusalem, that is God's city, that's the city of God, the holy city, that's, the Jerusalem will be the center of the world when the millennial kingdom comes into existence. I don't have time to talk about that right now. But for centuries, the city of Jerusalem was under control of Gentiles, different nations. And so uh, Jesus said, the times of Gentiles will be fulfilled when Jerusalem is given back to Jewish control. And that happened in the Six-Day War. That's an exciting story. Uh, so... What are we doing? We're talking about signs of the end time that are being fulfilled today. I started out by saying that I quoted from 2 Peter, uh, who ends up in this uh, quote by saying, ever since the beginning, uh, things have just gone on like it's always been. In other words, Everything just keeps going the same. I don't think Jesus is going to come back, but I want to tell you, that's not right. We are living in days that are unique, biblical days, because there is being fulfilled prophecies that have never been fulfilled in all of history. They're being fulfilled today. And I'm, I'm trying to help us to understand that we're living in the end of the last days because some things are happening now that have never been, that have never happened before. Let me remind you of Paul's admonition. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Why? Because God's prophecies are always true. And what he says will happen, will happen. Peter said we have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you'll do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place, you must understand prophecy did not come about by human thoughts. Prophecy had its origin not in human, but prophets who spoke the words of God. That's in essence, that's what that is saying. So we need to listen to the prophetic word. Paul goes on and he says, he says this, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It'll be like that. Quick. People are saying peace and safety, destruction will come. But you brothers and sisters, he goes on and he says, you're not in darkness. That's us. Believers. You're not in darkness so that this will surprise you. You're children of light. And as children of light, God says, I have revealed these things to you so you can be ready and prepared. Do we get it? Um, this morning, thinking about 
this message that I feel that the Lord, you know, when I pray, I say, Lord, help me know what, what to preach. I don't know how long I'm going to preach. <laughs> I don't know. But it seemed like I couldn't get this series out of my heart and out of my mind because I think the Lord wanted us to hear this. And the reason he wants to get us ready, to be ready. We need to confess our sins, give our hearts to the Lord, and walk in obedience to him, and be ready for whenever the Father says, okay, son, gather up the saints. I'll talk about that two weeks from today. So how should we live? Peter answers it this way. We ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. As children of light, we have been shown truths that God wants us to know. What kind of God is it that wants to reveal to us the future? It's a great, loving, compassionate God. 